0: fear matthew eight twenty three through twenty seven so if you don't mind, turn there with me, and uh, let's stand in an honor and respect of God's word. The Bible says when he had entered into the ship, his disciples followed him, and behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, and so much the ship was covered with the waves, but he was asleep, and his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we perish' And he saith unto them, Why are you fearful, O little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. But the men marveled, saying, What manner of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? Church, let's pray. Father, again, what a privilege it is to be amongst your children, to share your word. Lord, we're thankful that we live in a country where we can worship you freely, at least at this time, Lord. And Father, I, I pray for every single person here. I pray they heed to the, your words today. And they would come out of here today prayerfully as I did with a greater trust, a greater love, a greater awe of you. And Lord, most of all, as we always pray, if there's one who hears my voice who doesn't know you, Lord, that today would be the day you draw them unto yourself, give them eyes to see and ears to hear. Lord Jesus, may everything said and done, please, here today be pleasing to you. Holy Spirit has always helped me. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. I shared with the Sunday school class, I was amazed how our Sunday school lesson is going to go hand in hand with the sermon today. I mentioned I I had a very busy week at work and so forth, and I honestly didn't have time to review the Sunday school lesson like I normally would and then as Jim was teaching it this morning and he did a wonderful job, I was just, I was amazed. So I wanted to read to you, I know this is familiar, but let me read a few verses to you. It says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and there's a repetitious thing I want you to see here, and God said, and it was so, Noticed? God said, let there be light and there was light. God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters and let it divide waters from water. God said, let the waters under the heaven be gathered together in one place, and dry land appear. And it was so. God said, let the earth bring forth grass and herb, yielding seed, and the tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth. And it was so. God said, let there be lights in the firmament of heaven to divide the day from the night. Let them be for signs and seasons for days and years. Let them be for lights in the firmament of heaven to give light upon the earth. And it was so. God said, let the waters bring forth abundantly moving creatures, bass, and let there be fowl in the air, fly above the earth in the open firmament. And God said, let the earth bring forth living creature after his kind, cattle and creepy thing and the beasts of the earth after his kind. And it was so. Now the pinnacle of God's creation on the sixth day, God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let him have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl, the cattle and over the earth. So, God created man in his own image, the image of God created he, him, male and female. So, you see there over and over again, when God creates, he speaks it into existence, and it was so. And you and I know that Jesus is God in the flesh, the second person of the Holy Trinity, and he was there and actively involved in creation. John 1 1. And the beginning was the Word, Logos. The Word was with God and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. The beginning of what, some would say? The beginning of beginnings, the beginning of creation, the beginning of time. Jesus was there actively involved, actively creating. It goes on to say that everything was made by Him and for Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. Paul tells us in Colossians, "...for by Him all things were created, both in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether they're thrones, dominions, rulers, or authorities. All things have been created through Him and for Him." And we said that's the danger of evolution that teaches we're just glorified monkeys, basically. We have no purpose. No, Scripture tells us you and I are made in the image of God, and we are made for God, and our end purpose is to bring glory to God. Catch verse 17 of Colossians 1. He is before all things, now not necessarily in order, but in supremacy, speaking of Christ. He is above all things. He is greater than the law, greater than Moses, greater than the angels, greater than all. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. Now you would ask, how? Listen to what Hebrews 1.3 says. Speaking of Christ, He is the radiance of the Father's glory, the exact representation of His nature, and uphold all things. You ask, how? How are all things upheld? How are all things held together by the word of His Power, by the word of his power. How does everything stay in such perfect order as we spoke about a little in our Sunday school lesson? How does the earth stay thus far from the sun and any closer we would all burn up and die, any farther away we would all freeze? How is the earth at that exact tilt that allows us to have seasons? How, with all of man's technology, did they still not able to see the edge, the outer edge of space. Listen to Isaiah forty-five, twelve. God says, It is I who made the earth and created man upon it. I stretched out the heavens with my own hands, and I ordained the host. Now you'll hear scientists say that the universe is expanding. They're right, because God stretched it out. And it's continuing to stretch out. And I believe that's exactly why, one reason I believe I could say from this pulpit that God hates the teaching of evolution because it steals glory from Him. It steals glory from Him. Did He not say, I am the one who created earth and I put man in it. I created man in my image. I breathe life through His nostrils. And we say, no, no, no. Or not us, but the world will say, no, 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 no. There is a big bang. Billions of years later, we evolved. We take glory from God. Did you catch he says, I ordained all the hosts of the stars. God breathed those stars into existence. Here's some facts for you. Did you know the earth spins at its axis about a thousand miles per hour at the equator? I read it travels 580 million mile orbit in there on about a thousand miles a minute. Did you know the sun has been estimated to be equivalent to over 500 million billion horsepower? And there are at least 100 million suns in our galaxy, most of which are bigger than our own. God says, I ordained them. I put them in their place. I command them to stay there and they obey. And just a little footnote, did you know a largemouth bass can lay up to as many as 40,000 eggs per spawn? Now, when I said that to my wife, she laughed, but I had a point of saying that because God is not, the, not only the creator and the sustainer of the macrocosm, but he's the creator and the sustainer of the microcosm. Even to the smallest Adam, God ordained it and continue, and has it to continue to spin. He knows. God says, I ordain the host. I tell the stars where to go and where to stay, how hot the sun is to burn. I tell the mountains to rise I tell the sea to go thus far and no farther. God speaks and creation obeys. Now, I'd also want you to know this. Before the fall, everything was perfect. God, on the sixth day, looked at his creation and said, It was very good. However, you and I know that man had sinned. Eve, being deceived by the serpent, ate of the fruit that God had commanded them not to eat, gave to her husband, by the way, who willfully ate, Adam, who willfully disobeyed God. And we know sin entered the world. And because of sin entering creation, sin entering the world, man began to die physically. And not only that, but man was separated from God spiritually. And the whole rest of the Bible, in my opinion, is a story of God, a story of God going and redeeming humanity. Not only did Adam's sin bring a curse upon all humanity, but Adam's sin brought a curse upon the earth, upon creation. Listen to Isaiah 24.3. The earth will be completely laid waste and completely despoiled. For the Lord has spoken this word. The earth mourns and withers and the world fades and withers. The earth is also polluted by its inhabitants as they transgress laws, violate statutes, broke the everlasting covenant. Therefore, a curse devours the earth and those who live in it are held guilty, says the Lord. Romans tells us, Paul tells us, excuse me, in Romans, for the creation waits eagerly. And longing for the revealing of the sons of God. In other words, creation, all of creation who, to, who also is under the curse are anxiously awaiting the transformation from the curse and its effects. For the revealing of the sons of God when Christ returns, in other words, God's children will share in his glory and the curse will be lifted. Verse 20 tells us, For the creation was subject to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it because of man's sin. God cursed the physical universe, verse 20, and hope that creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know the whole creation has been groaning together in pains of childbirth, and as do we. Now why do I say this? I want you to understand today, not only did sin, Adam's sin, bring death upon mankind, but it has brought all of God's creation under a curse. Because before that, everything was perfect, we said. There was no violent earthquakes. There were no tornadoes, tsunamis. It had not even rained. There were no storms. You would remember God would cause the the mist to shoot up from the ground and the winds to carry that mist and to water the earth. So you and I know that the first time God came in the flesh, Jesus, he came to redeem man for all those who would believe. We know scripture says that Yahweh, God the Father, made him Jesus who knew no sin to be sin, that we might be the righteousness of God through him. So the first time Christ came, he came to redeem man. He came to live a life and obedient to the Father, without sin, tempted in all ways, fulfilling the law, not destroying the law, to die in our place, to become the God-man, because it was man who sinned. So therefore it had to be man who died, but yet it had to be God to live that perfect, holy life. And only God could take the wrath of God. So you and I know the first time God came, He came to redeem man. But I would want you to know that there will be a time when God will come the second time and will set up His throne. In Jerusalem, a literal throne, we believe, for a thousand years, and the earth will be restored. The earth will be restored to how it was during the, before the fall with Adam and Eve. It will be perfect. Paradise will be regained. So why do I say all that? Because Matthew has been taking the time to show you and I, to show his readers that Jesus Christ is God. He is God's son. He is God in the flesh. He is the promised Messiah. He is the king who came to redeem man, who will one day come and fully restore earth. He showed us that by, he said he is the uh, promised Messiah. He showed us by his genealogy, a descendant of David, his lineage. He is the promised Messiah by his virgin birth. He is the promised Messiah by the hostility he received even from the earthly King Herod. He showed us that he is uh, God's son by the Persian kingmakers, if you remember, who came to pay homage to him. We saw that he was God's son by the voice of the Father during his baptism that said, This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And the Holy Spirit...